Your spring is about to get a lot more power with the Home Depot. Get gas-like power from mowing, trimming, and blowing with the Ryobi 18-volt OnePlus system starting at just $89. Mowing power that can take on a third of an acre with one charge. Trimming power with up to two hours of runtime. And blowing power with 110 miles per hour of clearing force. All in one interchangeable battery. Get cordless gas-like power for the entire lawn with the Ryobi 18-volt OnePlus system. Only at the Home Depot. How doers get more done. What do eight bags of concrete mix, a cooler full of 30-pound sea bass, and a 10-inch compound miter saw have in common? They're all things that are easier to load in and out of the bed of the new F-150. Thanks to its new available pro-access tailgate, that's also a swing gate. The new 2024 Ford F-150. Tough this smart can only be called F-150. Available starting early 2024. Pro-access tailgate available starting spring 2024. Cargo and load capacity limited by weight and weight distribution. Coming up, we welcome Xander Shoffley to this week's pod and take a deep dive in his thoughts on next week's Ryder Cup in what was a golden year. Welcome to the Golf Central Podcast presented by Callaway Golf. The Callaway Chrome Soft Golf Ball family is winning some of the biggest events in the world. As John Rahm, Phil Mickelson, and Annika Sorenstam have all shown in 2021, these balls are better for major champions and better for everyone. Of course, Xander Schauffele also took gold in Tokyo with the new Chrome Soft XLS in his bag. Xander made the switch earlier this year to help reduce spin for more control through the bag. Now this gear change has paid off in a big way. It's the ball he'll be playing next week at the Ryder Cup. For more on Chrome Soft, visit CallawayGolf.com. I would like to welcome Xander to the podcast. Xander, thank you so much for taking the time. And I'm going to go ahead and start with the elephant in the room, with the Ryder Cup looming. I have been one of those guys who, for the last three years, have asked you the uncomfortable question about, are you thinking about it? Is it something you want to accomplish? And you guys are really good about packing it down and not thinking too much about it. Has that changed over the last few days? Um, first off, thanks for having me. But uh, I, don't, I don't think so. I, I think I'm more excited. We just had a practice over there. Um, it, was, it was very nice to see everybody get together, uh, see the golf course for the first time ever, and um, just hang out with my teammates. So um, I think I'm, you know, in anticipation for the tournament, I'm more excited. Uh, I'd say than anything else, obviously, I guess, anxious to play very well and just get the week going. Um, I know it's a long week and there's a lot of things to do besides golf. So just sort of looking forward to just getting the tournament uh, underway and, and competing. I wanted to touch on the practice session that you brought up. What does whistling straights look like right now? And how do you think it might play for the matches? It's uh, it's an interesting uh, it's it's a cool property. First off, it's along the coast. Um, a lot of blind tee shots. What I noticed, um, almost similar to like a Kiowa, off the tee type deal. But coming into greens, it, it seems more reasonable. If you're out of position, you can maybe run something up versus a Kiowa. You're kind of like raised uh, on a on a uh, the greens raised up above surface. So um, I like uh, whistling straights. I think it's a it's a great um, best ball course in terms of there are plenty of opportunities to be more aggressive uh, versus playing back to sort of the fatter part of the fairway and uh, alternate shot with the really long par threes in play, you know, anything can really happen and there'll be chances where, you know, in times where a par is not a bad score, if it's, if it's sort of blowing, you know, 15 to 20 off the coast uh, and they tuck a pin up against the water, it's, it's a very intimidating look uh, if you're not used to it. 
And I don't expect you to give any team secrets away, but if you look at the six players that were captain's picks for Steve Stricker, all of you seem to make a lot of birdies. I mean, to a man, it seems like his game plan is to try to be aggressive, that this is going to be a track meet. Is that the way you saw the golf course? Um, it really will play into, you know, when we played, it, it did rain. We had a little delay ourselves and uh, it rained the night before and it was sort of kind of damp, I would say. So the fairways weren't really cut, but they are fescue and they have the opportunity to run and they have an opportunity to sort of grow maybe certain areas out uh, more or they can cut it. I mean, it, it really is uh, uh, dependent on sort of what the weather is, which I think will be good. But so when I played it, you know, my first look was sort of, I'd say maybe a softer uh, feel than what it, what it, what it might be come tournament time in you know, two weeks or a week and a half. So, um, you know, I think it can go either direction. You know, I, the big, the big question, which is what no one can control and no uh, captain on any team or any country can control is the, what is the wind, you know, if it, the course is called whistling straights and if for whatever reason it, it starts to blow 20 to 30 miles an hour, it, it's going to be, it's going to be difficult to make a lot of birdies. So, um, I think if the wind is down, then it'll create more opportunity for it. But uh, wind on any property, whether you're playing a par three course or the biggest course in the world, is a big factor. Now, you were one of the four rookies that were picked for the team. There's two other rookies who qualified for the team, which makes half the team rookies. Although that's relative, I understand completely. You played in the President's Cup, and it's mm-hmm. hard to it stretches the definition sometimes. I'm just curious, though, what what was Steve's message to those just six rookies on the team that okay, this is what you need to expect. Yeah. I mean, Steve's, he never really, he hasn't really like talked to us like we're rookies. You know, he just talks to us. He, he speaks to his team as one, um, a lot of big notes on unity and, and playing for each other and, and things like that. So at no point, you know, do I feel like he's talking to me, like I'm a rookie, you know, he expects us to be ready, um, excited, uh, pretty much ready to compete. And whether you're a rookie or whether, whether you've done this, you know, a hundred times, he expects everyone to show up on game day ready to go. So I don't really, you know, when I was there hanging out with the team, I didn't really feel like a rookie just because he didn't, he didn't treat us like one, if that makes any sense. No, absolutely. And then I know this is going to be tough to compare, but you've only had one other captain, and that was Tiger Woods in the President's Cup. Mm-hmm. And I'm curious, do those two compare at all? Um, I think in, in terms of they're, they're really like a, a, I guess you'd call like a player's coach. Um, you know, I think they're very accommodating um, you know, they're really easy to talk to. Um, you know, Tiger used to be the most intimidating person on the planet in golf and, you know, him, him being my coach in the president's cup, uh, was such a cool experience for me. Cause I was, it was, it, it was, he was so personable and he, I could walk up to him and ask him any question or, or give him crap about something or anything like that. And Stricker's the same, you know, Stricker's, um, a little bit older than Tiger, but he sort of has this, um, you know, everyone sees him smiling and crying and, and, and all those things. And he's sort of known for that, but there's this edge to him that, you know, people don't know. And he, he is tough. And there's a reason he's won 12 times on tour. And there's a, there's a reason he's a captain of a Ryder cup team. Cause he's got bite. And I think all, all us players really appreciate that. And I think, you know, Tiger and, and Steve share those qualities. And no way you're going to answer this question, but I have to ask it anyway. It, how many times do you think you and Patrick Cantley are going to be paired together? Um, you know, I really, I'm really not sure. I, I think, um, I, I don't know, you know, there's, there's, there's certain data out, um, you know, we played at the president's cup together. Um, you know, I'm thinking we, we hope that we will play as, as much as we can, um, just, you know, to build off of what we, 
were able to do with the President's Cup and then prove something different that we weren't able to do with the President's Cup, which is, you know, winning best ball. But, um, you know, we're, we're, we're chatting with our captains, our vice captains. We're, try, we're trying to put the best um, game plan together for, for the whole team. And I think that's the most important thing. You know, it's, it's not about an individual. It's about uh, whether you're willing to sacrifice uh, not yourself, but sort of your, put, put your ego aside and everything aside so that, you know, you'll put the best thing, your best foot forward. And that's to sort of win at all costs. You're really good at this. You're absolutely right. You were not a rookie at this because you dodged that question just like a professional. That is no rookie answer <laughs> coming from you on that one. But I, I did want to stay with Patrick real quick, and he was named the PGA Tours Player of the Year this week. And you spend a lot of time mm-hmm. around Patrick. You guys are good friends. I wouldn't expect you to tell me if you voted for him, but why do you think he was voted Player of the Year? Yeah, I was. He was. You know, I was. I was with him actually when he got the phone call from Jay announcing he's Player of the Year, and you know, said congrats and. Um, I don't know if he it's hard to get, you know, like a, a read on Pat in terms of his reaction, but um, he was obviously very happy. And, you know, I don't know if he was surprised or, or whatnot, but um, I don't even remember what your question was. And I'll ask you pertaining to him winning. What, why do you think he was named player of the year? Because it seems like it was probably a close vote in some guys' minds between he and John. Right. Right, very right, similar right. right. It's just, it's an interesting thing. You know, I mean, with, with the, you know how I feel about the FedEx cup and Pat actually feels the same way about the FedEx cup, you know, not having, you know, like him getting a win for it versus, you know, John and, and not doing a playoff for the winner of the actual tournament. So um, that's not, not really answering the question. That's a different topic, but he, by facts, he had four wins. Um, none of them were majors, but you know, the FedEx cup uh, has, it carries a lot of weight as you can tell. Uh, and the person who wins that is, is, you know, almost major like in terms of sort of quantifying it. So uh, John obviously had an unbelievable record. I mean, I, I didn't do a, a side-by-side comparison. I just, everyone knows John Rahm's been a machine this whole year. I mean, he, he won the U S open and then the COVID thing happened at Memorial. It, it's just funny how the two came in line in my mind, you know, John has a six or seven shot lead and then Pat ends up winning the tournament because John has COVID. And then, you know, the final term of the year, like, of course, like it's, you know, the PJ tours nightmare, these two are going head to head and, now, you know, John is obviously a deserving winner as well, but Pat ends up winning player of the year. So um, I find like it, I find it comical that, you know, they're obviously two of the best in our game right now going head to head and pretty much everything I just mentioned. So, um, you know, it's like a, a year where you could argue they both deserve it. This would be one, but um, you know, I, I don't, I don't know. Like I think people just saw the four wins versus the one. And I think that's pretty much what pushed it over the edge. And you brought it up, and you have been outspoken about the format, as has John Rahm and Patrick Cantley, as you pointed out, Patrick, mm-hmm. even after he, he won the FedEx Cup. But, so, but if I were to make you PGA Tour Commissioner for a day, do you have an idea of maybe what you would do to maybe alter the, the way the Tour Championship is played? You know, I'm, I really try hard to be good at one thing, and one thing alone, <laughs> and that's playing golf at the highest level. I'm not really uh, equipped or you know, have the facilities to um, – give an answer on what kind of algorithm or formula should be used. I can just imagine that there are better ones out there in place or that people have come up with um, to sort of make, uh, not, not, the, not make it more clear because obviously, you know, Pat won the tournament and it was very obvious to spectators that his name was at the top of the leaderboard, but maybe make it um, more fair, I guess, for the players or, you know, like I, we just, we're so used to playing starting at level and we all, kind of put our gloves on and hash it out. So the feeling of someone starting ahead, which is not, is really weird for us 
and I understand that, you know, this was changed because of certain things happening in the past and for, for people watching television to understand it better. But like, if you, you know, we are the ones um, putting the show on. So, you know, maybe talk to us first before, you know, just coming up with it. I don't, I don't know. I don't have an answer for it in all honesty. Well, then to be fair, I kind of threw you under the bus because no one in the media seems to have a good idea either. So it, it does seem like the right. kind of thing it's, a, it's a, a trick. It, yeah, it's a tricky thing for sure. I, 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 I'm curious, and it might change after next week would be my guess. But when you look back at 2021, what's going to stand out, at least from a competitive standpoint for you? You know, I think the not even it happened to be during the Olympics, but I, I feel 2021 was was the first year in, in my career where I was able to win with a lead. I think that just is so important for me, um, for my mental health, I should say, uh, as an individual and all the top players in the world have, have done it. They've done it multiple times. I've only done it once. So, I mean, uh, obviously it happening at a very big stage like the Olympics um, where I could e- easily thrown it away and, and, and made it a bad headline for myself. Uh, I was able to sort of pull it off and it wasn't pretty. And I think that made it even sweeter for me. Well, the one thing that did make it sweet, and I would ask this normal as a cliched question about what's the coolest thing you've done with the gold medal, but seeing how you probably haven't spent much time with it. What's the coolest thing that Stefan has done with the gold medal? I mean, I, I, my opinion and the public's opinion are very different, but I think him posing in his speedo, in his speedo um, at their house uh, with the gold medal on was probably, you know, the, hopefully the coolest thing he's done. I don't know what else he's done with it. I haven't seen the medal, you know, I just saw it today, but I don't even have, have it with me. Uh, you just saw it today. So did he bring it to the golf course to, to show it for a photo shoot or something and then take it back? Yeah, I, probably. Yeah. I'm out here with Callaway today. So of course, um, there was some content that needed to be shot with the, with the uh, product. And, and then he took it right back. Yeah, correct. I don't even have it with me right now as we speak. It's, it's, on, it's on him somewhere, hopefully. Hopefully he didn't lose it. Along the lines of what kind of stood out to you in 2021, and I, I asked Patrick Cantlay this earlier this week about if there was one shot that stood out to you over the course of the entire season. You took 5,837 shots this season. Did any of them stand out? Did one – do you sit and you think about one, either good or bad? Um, I don't know. I, I think it's hard for me to think of just one shot. That's not really how my brain works. I, I, I look at things, especially golf or, or my year as a body of work. It's hard to really pinpoint one i mean i think it'd be different if i you know hold out on the last hole to win a golf tournament obviously that'd be you know a go-to answer of mine but for me I, you know i really try and play the percentages and i try and play smart and play to my strengths and do that as much as possible and um you know that's part of why you know my game isn't you know i'm a wow factor i'm no bryson hitting at 350 yards but you know i'll sort of try and uh, put myself in the best position each week and each hole uh to succeed so when i have that mindset it's more of a big frame of work or body of work so it's really hard for me to to pinpoint one shot in all honesty no and i understand that and i guess the only reason i would ask was having been in tokyo and just i guess seeing the joy on your face i mean the the last putt i Mm -hmm. don't i can't imagine how difficult that putt is in that situation but so there was there was extreme of that and i was also at augusta and i was standing on 16 when when what what happened when you put your tee shot in the water and i'm curious we 
pros always say they learn more from defeat than victory. Do you think you probably learned more from that shot on 16 than maybe whatever it is you did on Sunday in Tokyo? Um, potentially, you know, I think, um, it's, you're, you're always learning. You're always, you know, even like when I go back to the 16 at a, at Augusta, I was, it was so funny. Like once I was able to remove myself from the situation, you know, I've switched to a new golf ball since then because of that situation. You know, I, I was playing a ball that was good for certain parts of my game, but it wasn't feeding to my strengths in my game. And, um, you know, I switched to this new golf ball now and, uh, it's because of that moment there. And it's like, uh, it's almost like I feel like I did all the right things and um, I just wasn't aware enough in the situation, which I've talked about a lot before. And that's sort of where I knocked myself in the head. And um, I was such a, you know, it was so fun. I was such a kid in that moment that I was really chasing and I really, I really don't have regrets. Like I, I, I don't see myself pulling an extra club in that moment with how I was feeling. Um, maybe I would have hit a different shot uh, than what I tried to hit. Cause I, I just know sort of, when I try and hit an eight iron really hard, I'm going to take it further back and I'm going to hit a little draw and I knew the wind was left to right. So if I could do it over, maybe I would have tried to hit a really hard cut eight iron. So at least it would have leaked to the right, and, you know, small things like that. But um, overall, I think, you know, I, I look more so before 16, that's sort of how my brain likes to work is I was so far out of this golf tournament and Hideki was cruising so much and I'm sitting there and I'm saying as patient as possible, I got off to a crappy start, you know, double bogeying or bogeying one of the, or making a good bogey on like the fifth or sixth hole. I think it doubled it. I can't even remember, but um, I was able to climb my way back in and, and chip away. I mean, if you look at that back nine I was putting together minus 16, um, it was pretty special and it could have been one of the, you know, arguably one of the greatest comebacks ever in a major just for how, I mean, I think I was like 11 or 12 shots back at one point. So I, I like to look at it like that, you know, I'm more, glass empty, uh, half full, half empty. I'm, I'm the half full guy, you know, I was like, Holy smokes, you know, I'm in the biggest stage in golf and I'm chasing down a guy who literally looked untouchable an hour and a half ago. So I think that self-belief, um, and showing myself that I can do wild things that, you know, other people feel like they can't do at times. It's always good to do. Obviously I came up short and obviously Hideki won the masters, but to me, I look at that moment where I'm like, I birdied six or seven holes, you know, when I needed to the most and I was putting this, you know, screws on him and I could feel it. And then, you know, I gave the tournament back, but, um, leading up to it, you know, I think I'll, I'm capable of making a, a crazy run when no one would expect it. And there I would be expecting it of myself. Well, I hate, and I hate to fixate on this and I'm not fixating on it because it's a negative outcome. I'm fixating more mm -hmm. on how, how you accepted it. First, I, I did want to ask the follow-up on specifically what about this new golf ball works that maybe didn't work then, or maybe it was just a part of your game that it didn't fit with. Right. And so the fun, yeah, it's a, I can easily, you know, I've talked about the golf ball today, obviously. And um, it's simple. It's like uh, people who don't know equipment, you know, if your eight iron spins, uh, eight iron, nine iron, seven iron, they're all supposed to spin the number. So eight iron should spin about 8,000. You know, if you cut it, it might go up to 8,300. If you draw it, it might drop down to 7,700. If that's sort of your, your window. Right. And so, my eight iron at the time I was using Chrome soft X, which is really good around the greens. And I wasn't very good around the greens and I'm thinking, okay, I need to have a ball. that's going to make me better around the greens. But, you know, I kind of went away from everything that my dad taught me, which was sort of make sure what, make sure that the strong parts of your game are always the strongest. And then you can slowly build up other parts of your game. And um, I kind of went to where the fire was burning, as you'd call it. And so I went to the Chrome soft X, which was a great ball. And, um, kind of a, a type of ball I've won with before when I, when I switched to Callaway, but I'm a high spin guy. So if you take 16, for example, it's into a cut, I, I hit a hard eight iron. That's fun about 8,800 up against the wind, a, 
of course that ball is going to get absolutely smoked. You know what I mean? And of course it's going to come up short in the water. You know, if I was a, a guy in a gallery and someone told me that, Hey, this kid's going to hit an eight iron as hard as he can. It's going to spin 8,800 with this wind. I'd be like, this kid has no chance. He's going to hit in the water. You know what I mean? But <laughs> it's hard to be that aware in those moments. And so, you know, with this new ball, my eight iron does spin about 8,000. Um, and so it's a tricky thing. You know, if I, if I had this new ball in that hole hitting an eight iron, like my ball would have gone to a foot. Cause you know, I was sitting there looking at my chops thinking, Oh my gosh, I'm about to come back and tie this tournament up. You know what I mean? But of course it came up short in the water and, um, those are just some small things that, you know, uh, you don't think about in the moment, uh, when you're competing. Were you mad in the aftermath of that? Or did you, it sounds to me like after time, you've certainly accepted it and learned from it. Yeah. It's sort of, um, it's hard to be mad in that situation because I was two back. Hideki was playing unbelievable golf. Mm -hmm. I was chasing and I was, it was such a high, probably the biggest high to low in my life I've ever had in terms of competing. Um, I'm on this high, I'm, I'm chasing him. The crowd's getting into it. It's going nuts. And then all of a sudden I tank in the water and then I could feel anyone that was rooting for me, like, damn, this kid just ruined it. You know what I mean? So, um, I felt that and, and it did, it, it was tough. It was a, a weird high, super high adrenaline rush feeling to just a gut punch. And, um, it's just funny how the game can treat you funny in, in certain ways and, and sort of what you can do to yourself on the course. But, um, yeah, uh, that's just, uh, just something to learn from. I feel terrible. I feel like a grief eater now because I've fixated on the 16th hole no, after no, the no. season that you've you're, had. You're good, it, you're good. It seems like a fascinating scenario or a fascinating chapter in what was an entire year. Before I let you go, and you have talked about this before, you've played plenty of practice rounds with Phil. You've played in plenty of those games that he has with Phil. And I've always been curious that he mm -hmm. says he always wants to play for whatever makes him feel uncomfortable. And I guess the other people that he's with feel a little uncomfortable from a competitive standpoint. <laughs> Have you ever felt uncomfortable in a match or, or a practice round with Phil? A game, I guess I should call um, it. Yeah. I mean, I'd say the first time I ever played with Phil, um, uh, he may not remember it, but it was actually here at the grand. We go to the first tee and I just got my corn fairy card. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm high on, on, succeeding at, you know, my level, uh, at that time, you know, it's a big accomplishment to go through corn fairy Q school and get your card. It's a very stressful time, more stressful than anything else I've done in my whole career. So, you know, I'm all happy. It's, it's winter time. Uh, I think I just got done with Q school. I got my card and all of a sudden I'm playing with a few buddies and Phil shows up on the first tee cause he knows some of them and we're on the first year at the grand and he's out there and he's, uh, you know, I'm a rookie of all sorts, you know, the, the biggest rookie you can imagine. And you have the biggest veteran in the world you can imagine. And, he's sitting there on the first tee and, you know, he's saying, what are we going to play for? And, uh, I was sitting there and I had no money in my wallet and literally no, I, I like snuck over and checked what was in my wallet, which is like the worst thing you can do. And, you know, my dad always taught me you play the best <laughs> when you have no money in your wallet because you have to win. Um, and so he was, you know, he's like, what do you want to play for? And I go, what do you play for? You know, I was like, I don't know what to say here. It's Phil Mickelson. And, he goes, we can play for, you know, five cents. We can play for $5, $50, $500, $5,000, $50,000. grand. We can play for whatever you want, you know? And I'm sitting oh there my. like, I don't, even, I don't even have, you know, five grand in my name right now. So I look at him and I go, I was like, 50 bucks. Let's play for $50, you know, something that's going to, you know, that's a lot for me. And uh, I'm definitely going to try my hardest, you know? And uh, it was a really, you know, cool cool experience for me um and now that i know him better i can totally tell it he's pulling my leg um and messing with me which definitely worked i ended up winning the match you know um i had a, i had a good partner i think it was charlie hoffman and myself versus him and someone else but 
Phil and I had some side action and it was 50 bucks and it was, it was, it was plenty and more than enough for me to try my best. And it may have not been enough for him, but um, I'm sure he didn't want to lose to a, a, a young buck like myself who was fresh off the boat. Do you still have that $50? <laughs> um, not the, uh, he actually, he, he was down and then pressed and I think he lost the press. So I think I may have won a hundred dollars there. So that was, a, that was oh, wow. my feel good moment of, uh, of the, of the, for a while of that year, probably, or after, 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 um, after Q school there. I mean, that's gotta be, that's a hundred dollars you frame, no? Or did you, did you need it to spend for whatever it is you needed at the time? Yeah, it wasn't something I'm going to frame. I just, you know, uh, I've haven't brought it up to Phil at all. And, um, we've played a lot more during COVID as you know, and I've gotten to know him a lot better. And he is a, he's actually, you know, he's a vice captain, which is really cool for him. And it's nice for me to pick his brain. And, um, it's really, it's cool to me to look back on that moment on the first tee where I didn't know this guy at all. And, you know, I've only seen him on TV and then slowly, you know, me playing at a higher level now and, you know, watching him win his PGA championship and just me getting to know him better. Cause he's a San Diego guy. He's like, you know, he is Mr. San Diego and I, I take pride on being from San Diego as well. So, um, it is really neat to sort of get to know him better and, and sort of it all started on that tee box with, with him and I, and, and, you know, here we are playing in the Ryder cup and he's, he's my captain. So it's a pretty cool experience, full circle. Well, Xander, thank you so much again for the time and good luck to you and the U.S. team next week. Thanks so much. Thanks for having me. Bring spring color inside this season with Bare Premium Plus paint starting at $28.98 a gallon at the Home Depot. Add a pop of blue to your kitchen with the Bare Exclusive Color Arrowhead Lake or a splash of Amazon jungle to your living room. Bring a cool breeze to your bathroom with sea glass. Whatever your inspiration, start your spring with durable colors that last all season with Bare Premium Plus paint starting at $28.98 a gallon at the Home Depot. How doers get more done. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every goal, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a game-winning goal in the final seconds of overtime or a shot on the goal in the first period. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply.